This is Lincoln A to Z. Lincoln A to Z. Lincoln A to Z. We've chosen 52 squares at random from the Lincoln A to Z street map. E and And now we have to go to all 52 and make a program about each and every one. Lincoln A to Z. Lincoln A to Z. Each week we'll be setting off on our trusty bikes to find a different grid. Lincoln A to Z. We could find ourselves in a leafy residential area, a bustling city street, or a completely empty field. Present our findings every week here on Siren FM as we uncover Lincoln one grid at a time. Lincoln A to Z. 52 grids, two men, one map, no clue. That's right. What about those onions then, eh? Eh, eh? Oh no, Lincolnshire carrots. Cindy, what about those carrots then, eh? Eh? Lincoln A to Z here on the East Midlands Station of the Year. And now, now with the uh, very sad demise of the Radio Academy, maybe, just maybe, we'll get to keep hold of that trophy forever. Uh, now, we've got a lot to get through, but let me say this. I am Paul Tyler, and my colleague is Johnny Hoare. Hey, Johnny. Hello there. Now then, how's that producing going for you? Oh, not so bad, you know. Okay, well, this presenting's going pretty darn well, too. Uh, okay, Johnny, play us out the audio of this week's Grid Square selection, please. My name is Luigi, the hairdresser in uh, New York Road, and I've been in Lincoln uh, approximately about 43 years, and I think Lincoln's great. The people are... Fantastic Lincoln. I've been here a long time and never had any problem with anybody. Yeah, I pick one thing there. Q12. Lincoln A to Z on Siren FM. Q12. Uh, where does Q12 take us? Okay, Q12 is the area around Washingborough Road, specifically the area where the uh, the cemetery is on one side, the golf course on the other, mm-hmm. and of course the crematorium. Okie dokie. Uh, so if you know anything about this, uh, which I'm sure you do, uh, or any of our other 51 grids, past or present, then please get in touch. Lincoln A to Z at sirenonline.co.uk is the email address. Uh, we're on Facebook, and of course, there's Twitter. Hashtag Lincoln A to Z. And uh, all the information and podcasts of our previous shows are available on our fabulous website. Lincoln A to Z dot co dot UK. So, tricky one this. It's our 48th programme. So you get the idea by now. Johnny and I bike out to a grid, muck about a bit and record what we see. Uh, But this whole grid is unavoidably about the crematorium, a place that holds so many personal memories for so many people. Uh, so Johnny and I felt that as we go behind the scenes at the crematorium, we should maybe warn you about that before we play out the audio. But I hope you get from this uh, is as rewarding uh, as, as what we felt when we came out of there. Here we are. It's a gloomy, cloudy day. Q12 is the grid. And this is one we've been putting off for a long time we've been putting it off like death itself to be honest with you there's nothing else we could do about this grid square other than golf and heaven knows we weren't going there so we've crossed over Washingborough Road and we find ourselves at the crematorium uh, the only other <laughs> thing apart from the crematorium in this grid square is the cemetery uh, and we'll get to that uh, but still we stood outside now uh, just about to go in uh, to go and have a walk around the crematorium uh, find out what goes on and I know it's, it's difficult to describe because this place in particular brings back obvious memories, uh, you know, for me, my family, everyone, everyone, everyone around. And you've all had them as well. It's pointless. I'm, I'm not going to talk about personal things here because you've all had them. You've all got your own personal experience of this. So you know where I am right now. 
so here we are, Q12 Grid, and very pleased uh, to meet Nick Barton. Uh, your title, please, Nick. I'm the Bereavement Service Officer for City of Lincoln Crematorium. OK. How did, how did you come to, to, to get to this job, which, which I suppose other people might find unusual, but you certainly don't? It's very strange, because I actually came out of leisure centres, and I was working in a leisure centre in Preston, uh, and basically they were doing a reshuffle of the management system. At the same time, the assistant manager post came up at Preston Cemetery and Crematorium, and I thought I quite fancy that, a bit different. And I was fortunate enough to get that job. Uh, and then I saw the job in Lincoln advertised for the manager. Um, the two people that have been in post, the manager and the assistant manager, have been here for over 30 years each. Um, so they were uh, run the building since it opened almost. Um, and I basically applied to come over to Lincoln uh, as manager, and basically that's how I got into this. Uh, really, I wanted to get out working shifts and working nights and weekends. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough to get, get on to the nine to five. So, I mean, obviously you see it as an important job, you know, it, it, didn't, it never detracted you away from me. We like to say is we're the, the invisible people that people don't really see when they come to a funeral service. We're the people that are in the background just making sure everything runs smoothly and works as the family have requested because they're here to sort of remember the loved one. It's sometimes going to be the last memory of them, and then the last thing we want is anything to go wrong on on that day, and we just want everything to run smooth and, and go through. And a lot of people come and they'll be very nervous because they're not sure what to expect or what's going to happen. Uh, and I think there is a lot of sort of urban myth with regards to what goes on at a crematorium. And just like I say, we, we show people round. If people want to come and have a look, we'll take them through, show them, show them the process, explain to them what happens in the chapel, what happens in the floral area, what happens as, as the hearse and the funeral cars arrive, and explain to them what, what we, we do, really. OK, uh, right, so let's go through that now. Yeah. Okay. Right, where do we, where do we start? What we'll normally happens. Have a look outside. The outside. So this is, this is the covered area just outside the front of the crematorium. Yeah, so what would happen is, like I say, the funeral would uh, arrive here. Um, normally there's um, bearers from the funeral directors here to meet and greet uh, at the entrance. Obviously what we're doing here is we have to ensure that we... Um, we're always, what we're always doing is little checks to ensure that we've got the coffin of the person that we're expecting because the last thing we'd want to do is, is create someone that we weren't expecting or mistakes. So what we're doing all the way through is we're sort of running through to make sure that everything's correct and we've got the correct body. So what happened now, as I say, they'd arrive. The chapel attendant would normally speak with the minister or the funeral director just to ensure that the music choice hasn't changed. So what happened then is obviously the funeral director staff would uh, bring the, the coffin through to the chapel um, and normally the family would follow on. Normally sort of a bit of music playing in the background at the family's request of what they want. What happens in here is, is basically up to the families. Some They'll have religious services. There's more and more sort of civil celebrants and humanist ministers that are coming in to do their services and, and take services for families. Because families don't go to church like they used to many years ago. So they come in and, and they'll take the service in here. In the chapel, it's a sort of 25 to 30 minute service time to give families time to have their time here. Uh, because what we don't want is we don't want them sort of feeling as though we're rushing them with the next service being stood straight behind yeah. at the doors waiting to follow them through. So obviously, as you can imagine, we've, we have all sorts of strange requests for music and, and, and the likes. What would you think is the strangest request you've, you've, you've had? 
I think probably one of the funny, well, I say funny, in, in a way it was, it was quite light-hearted. It was a gentleman that was um, a steam train enthusiast and he had um, music and it basically was a steam train coming into a station and going through the station. And as the bearers were um, walking down to this music and it was just as it, it came through the station, it was, it was quite apt for the gentleman that was involved and, 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 and for him, yeah. What will happen then is the, the coffin will be placed in the, on the catapult at the front and I'll, um, the minister to take the service. And again, like I say, services now have been, become more and more personalised and, and more and more people are now sort of arranging their own service and saying what they want. Whatever they want, we'll, we'll do, as long as it's within reason sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, of course, yeah. So obviously, once the service is finished, um, we'll just walk through to the yeah. floral tribute area. So following the service, um, families will be led out to this this area here which is our floral tribute area uh, and obviously the flowers are, are brought out here um, if the flowers are left here what we do is we leave them in place for a week before disposing of them unfortunately it always seems a shame to me when you come out here and you see all these lovely flowers that have been purchased and brought down and families but families do come back time and time again during that week just to come and have a moment it is and this area the way i the way i'm feeling at the minute is, is this area reminds me of relief it's it's like you know the moment the moment's gone you you've got that build up and build up and build up and there is a tension almost and uh, and and actually when you come through those doors and you're outside and you know you're outside more than likely hugging and kissing people and you know just sort of catching up and uh, this this is relief this is yeah i think what you we've got to realize is we're seeing people most of the time probably on the worst one of the worst days of their lives they really don't want to come and see us it's the last place anyone wants to be coming with with a loved one but I think this area is sort of like I say, it's that relief, it's it's the bit afterwards, get out here, have a chat, remember a funny story, yeah. do you remember when that thing happened, yeah. that sort of thing. And I think that's that's the important part of the service we offer them and what we can do for families. Yeah, yeah, you can really smell those flowers, don't you? They? Really, they smell, they smell fantastic. They're lovely. Really nice. Uh, well, should we have a quick look behind the scenes, do you think? Yes, okay. certainly. Uh, and now we're in... Uh, a tiled room. Floor and walls uh, completely tiled up, so uh, very much an operating theatre kind, of, uh, kind of impression, I think. This is the crematory area. Uh, and what happens here is this is obviously where we receive the coffin that's once it's come out of the chapel. A lot of people um, expect that the coffin comes straight in and goes straight into a cremator. And I'm sure that one of my earliest memories of going to, I think, my grandfather's funeral and I'm sure that the curtain opened and he went into flames, and that's what I remember. <laughs> and that was at the, at the crematorium I worked at in Preston, and I can guarantee it, never, it was never like that, but that was my first memory and what I thought. So obviously what happens then is the coffins are brought here. Obviously, as you see, we have two individual cremators. Uh, the question I get asked all the time is, can you guarantee that the cremated remains that we get back are who they say you are? And that's one thing I can 100% say is, yes, I can guarantee that. Because we do only do individual cremations, and that slip of paper that I showed you that has all the information on it, yeah. that basically follows the cremation process all the way through. And what happens is that comes through to the back. Again, there's another check done that the lads who were working back here uh, will check the nameplate on the coffin. And then what they'll do is they'll get the coffin on this, this automatic charging beer here, and they'll have it lined up next to the cremator ready to be charged. People always ask, like, how many do you do a day? We, we can do up to 10 services a day, up to 10 cremation services a day. And like I say, people don't see this side of our, our industry very often. 
Uh, but one of the things I'm hoping to do next year is to do an open day so people can come and have um, a look around and a look through this, through back here and, and just see what, it's like I say, we've nothing to hide. We're not here to sort of yeah. say, this is what we do. And I think what a lot of people say to us when they've been through here is the shocked on how it's almost like an operating theatre, sort of yeah. the cleanliness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is. We, we're actually we just we've just been studying doing uh, what, what we always like to do is watch someone else work, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, this place is absolutely spotlessly clean. What what happens behind this 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 door is is very is very curious. Mm. It, it, and I, I think anyone I've spoken to that I've, I've said or oh, has come in here today, oh right, yeah, oh that's quite fascinating. That's quite you know there is that. I don't want to use the word morbid curiosity, but I've, I've got a small vocabulary, so that's what it's going to be. But you, you must get you must get that quite a lot. Yeah, and like I say I think when people find out what I do, um, you always get the same sort of questions. It's like I think one of my favourite questions was, I believe you store them up and do them all on a, on a Wednesday <laughs> night on cheap rate gas. And I'm like thinking, no, that doesn't that definitely doesn't happen. I said, look, we work all the day. Like I say, Monday to Friday, once we get the coffin, we do cremate the same day. If the families are happy and they sign part of the application form that says that we can hold the coffin up for up to 72 hours, obviously we have that for, also it's there for a backup for us should we have breakdowns or anything. Because machines, we have them, they're serviced four times a year, um, they're looked after um, better than if you think how you look after your car. One, one service every year if it's lucky and uh, obviously we, we have them done four times a year and uh, the engineers are obviously that come out to us all worked on these machines and it's actually the company that built these machines that still look after them yeah, so uh, when, you, when you talk about the machines you're talking about the, uh, the, the furnaces the cooker you might call it what, so what sort of temperature what temperature do they operate at? when we start um, the cremation process it, it's, it's about 800 degrees see it, they can work at anything up to about 1150 degrees but it's normally running about 950 to 1,000 degrees. And the process itself, how long does it take? That must be a, a popular question. Yeah, and I, I, there's no hard and fast rule for that. And I think everybody, it's like say, it's the old, oh, we had big bones. Yeah. Or I think the sort of average is sort of anywhere between sort of 70 to 90 minutes. Uh, sometimes it'll take longer and we just, you just don't know why some cremations uh, just take longer than the others. You want to have a look through the other side where we're actually working. All right, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We will be cremating, so yeah, just as long as you are aware. Okay. I think we're still yeah, so this is is really the uh, the business end, isn't it? Really, I suppose uh, of, the, of the machines we've just been looking at through uh, from the from the other side. All the cremation cremation equipments, all computer controlled. As you can see, the big units in between those, they're, they're uh, monitoring all the emissions that we're putting out. And obviously, we're very heavily monitored by environmental health as well to ensure that we're not doing anything we shouldn't be doing. And this is why it's important that when, we're, when the funeral directors are doing what they do, they, they're ensuring that there's no sort of plastics or anything in the coffins or anything like that. Yeah. And just ensuring that what's in the coffin is what should be in the coffin. And again, you can see... That the paperwork that follows you, the deceased through, that's how we, we monitor it all the way through the system. The, uh, the collection tray that your colleagues just, just taken from there, yeah. uh, without getting too in detail, what, what's that he's just taken away? Basically, after each service, we, we rake the hearth off to make sure we've got all the cremated remains out of the uh, cremation chamber. So what happens is then they drop into the, the area in between and there's cold air blown on them to cool them down. Um, basically, that's the cremated remains that family will get back. So as you can say, you, you can feel the heat coming off. Yeah, certainly, yeah. 
Yeah, it is. It's a very warm working environment, isn't it? So obviously now, I mean, this is this is your day-to-day job. You've been doing it a long time, uh, and obviously, yeah, I can see from your body language, from everything about you, that you take a huge pride in in, in doing this and getting getting it absolutely right. Um, and you mentioned earlier that you know this is this is people's darkest hour a lot of the time. You know, the, the, the most upsetting day uh, of a lot of people's lives when when they come here. This, do you ever get hardened to that? You know, I mean, do, do, do things still affect you? Oh, definitely, yes. Um, I think what you've got to be able to do is always be able to put yourself into the other person's shoes and understand what they're going through. Um, you will get services that will affect you. Um, you'll get services where you, you'll hear a family member doing a reading or something. And I'm, I'm not going to lie, you, you, you do get that little tear and you get that little lump in your throat and you think, that's nice, that's really nice what they've just said. We had a service not long ago, one of the the gentlemen that you were just watching doing the mop in there, he took a service the other week and it was two gentlemen, two family members that took the service and he said it was almost like a, a stand-up routine um, but it was, it was the two brothers of the gentleman who had passed away and all they ever did when, in life was take the mickey out of each other and, and they took the service and it was like a continuation of that and he came into the office and said well that's how I want my service to, 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 to go that's what I want when I go so I think there's always times that things are going to get to you like I say the obvious ones obviously when we have unfortunately have children and babies um, and sometimes you'll get services where for me I think one of the one that gets me is when you'll some you'll come you'll come through and there'll be sort of two or three people in the chapel like I say there's no family left they've, they've out, outlived the rest of the family you just think it's a shame that someone's lived for say a hundred years and, and there's not other people here to to remember them I think the day that I feel that I've got hardened to it is the day that I'll be looking for a new job So then Johnny and I uh, took a walk outside and I think it's fair to say that Johnny we felt strangely elated uh, after sort of going through that process I mean I, I don't know about you but I building up to that we went there sort of late afternoon building up to that I was kind of nervous throughout the day probably you know more nervous certainly than coming on the radio or uh, and you know a lot of other things we've done on this program and uh, it, you know it, it seems obvious isn't it you know facing up facing up to death facing up, up to the things and the times you've been back there um, but it, it, when we came out of there it, I, I felt really pleased that we'd, that we'd done what we did Absolutely, yeah, and it's it's really reassuring to see how how well done it is, how um, you know the integrity and the the amount of care that the people who work there put into it. Um, you know, there's always that worry, isn't there? There's you know municipal crematorium. There's probably going to be maybe people there who aren't that bothered about their job or you know don't take it as seriously as you'd hope they would. But these people clearly do, um, and yeah, it's, it's reassuring. And and also, I guess maybe there was an element of the kind of uh, emotional memory of the, the relief you get when you walk out of there normally when you've actually been to a funeral maybe yeah. we were feeling a bit of that as well that relief of just being out again but um but yeah it was definitely worth doing i'd, I'd highly recommend it yeah yeah I, and nick was talking there throughout uh, uh, about maybe having uh, open days next year and i would i would encourage you you know it's not it's not something you know you talk in the office you know in the week by the water cooler and you say what you could do the weekend well <laughs> uh, we're off to uh, an open day at the crematorium you know you, you might get some funny looks but actually you know if 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 you think it might help you 
you along the lines of things, you know, whether it's whether it's the future or the past, uh, because people, you know, we all skirt around death, don't we? You don't want to face up to it. Uh, we don't want to see it go in there. But I, w- I would definitely recommend it. It's, it's, I think, you know, the two the two gentlemen in this room talking into microphones, I think it certainly helped uh, along the way. Huge thanks there to Nick Barton for taking the time uh, to talk to us there. And, you know, it's, it's one of these things where we just don't really talk about it, to try and avoid it. Whenever we talk about a funeral, you know, what do you say? If a funeral's coming up, someone goes, you say, oh, I hope it all goes okay for you, or I hope it all went well. And, you know, at some point, if you analyse what you're saying there, you think, well, you know, what what are you expecting to happen? Uh, You know, I mean, there are some (laughs) funny funeral stories down the line, but they're very few and far between. And uh, it was really, really uh, reassuring uh, to see uh, just the... uh, and, and not just, you know, Nick's an efficient man, you can tell that, you can tell that just by talking to him, but the fact that he cares about his job, uh, and when he was talking to me there, there was, you know, there were there were signs of emotion there, and he, he certainly won't mind me saying this, there were signs of emotion there that, um, you know, it means that, you know, he's there and uh, he's doing a good job, and that's uh, very reassuring. Lincoln, A to Z. Now, we've got time to step back in time a little bit here, as the, uh, as the glorious Kylie once said, as we uh, get ever nearer to completing our target of 52 grid squares, we get closer to having a detailed history of the Lincoln area too. So it's with great pleasure that I once again introduce the brilliant Joanna Hughes from the Lincolnshire Archives. As I've already talked about in an earlier grid square, this area has evidence of human settlement going back hundreds and hundreds of years. Bronze Age artefacts have been found around here. There's even a Barrow Cemetery to the east of our grid square. Have a look at aerial view maps and you'll see at least seven ghostly circles in a field to the south of the Witham. This was probably a sacred site an ancient crossing of the river, considered to be holy for millennia, worshipped by the locals who pacified the gods by hurling their precious belongings into it, like the Witham Shield now in the British Museum. Interestingly, there's a similar Barrow Cemetery in Greetwell Parish on the northern bank, directly opposite here. This area's obviously had a sacred vibe since time immemorial, as there used to be a holy well near here, fortuitously some distance from the sewage works. Long before holy monks channelled it to feed water to the city, the pre-Christian water gods were possibly worshipped here too, babies brought to be dipped and blessed, and the lame to be bathed and cured. All along the Lincoln Ridge, or cliff or whatever you call it, there are natural springs which push up through where the limestone meets the clay, providing life-giving water to the locals, so it's understandable you want to keep the gods who brought this water to you appeased. Whiz forward a couple of millennia, and this area of the Witham Valley went by the slightly less spiritual-sounding name of Cowpaddle for many subsequent centuries, after the cattle which would be brought down to these lush wetlands to graze. But centuries after ancient man had stopped burying its dead in circular barrows and left it to be the squelchy domain of hungry cows, the Victorians would rediscover this area as a place to inter its dead. By the mid-19th century, Lincoln and its overcrowded churchyards were in dire need of new burial space, Some of the documents at the Lincolnshire Archives talk about the nauseating and dangerous conditions in which some of the city inhabitants had to live, whether it was raw sewage sliding through the streets, or the random limbs of ex-citizens sticking out of overfilled churchyard plots. So anyway, after a lot of faffing around in 1854, all the city burial grounds were closed, apart from St Swithin's, who already opened their own overspill cemetery on Rosemary Lane. It's still there, just across from the archives, actually. Apart from some of the northern city parishes, most Lincoln parishes joined together to form a burial board, and eventually Cannock Road Cemetery opened in 1856. It was mainly for Church of England burials, but an area was set aside for Catholics and nonconformists, which in itself involved a certain amount of bickering as to the architectural design of the chapels serving the different groups and who'd get which plot. 
it's a bit sinister to realise that there was possibly a steady supply of bodies being brought down from the top of Cannock Hill once upon a time, as this is where one of the city gallows used to stand as a warning to would-be felons leaving or approaching the city. The fact that the cemetery was again extended into our grid square in 1898 speaks volumes about how the need for new burial grounds had been long overdue for decades. Less than a century later, constraints of burial space was addressed by the construction of a crematorium in 1968. So anyway, this area has always had an important relationship with the dead and the living, with the sacred and the practical, and, far more importantly, with Tempin Bowling. As always, huge thanks to Joanna Hughes from the Lincolnshire Archives, and uh, go to uh, Lincolnshire Archives' website to find out uh, more information. Lincoln A to Z on Siren FM. Find us on Twitter at Lincoln A to Z. We're visiting Q12 uh, from our Lincoln A to Z map. And uh, back to that grid square now for the second part of our visit. Johnny and I are faced with that age-old conundrum. Golf or death? Out now onto the, onto the road, onto Washingborough Road. That's uh, Washy Road to you and I. And we've got choices here. We've got choices as to where we can go. We've, we've done our, our crematorium visit. And in a little area of this is... Is a golf course, a Canic golf course. Did you uh, did you fancy a game of golf, Johnny? No, not at all. I I just I have something against golf. I, I associate it with a certain type of person, you know, a kind of middle management, Top Gear watching, <laughs> Pringle sweater wearing sort of man. Which I I just don't get on with those sort of people. So I've always assumed that golf isn't for me. Okay, so uh, if you are that kind of person, uh, don't run away from Lincoln A to Z because. Your host, your host is here for you. Because um, I used to play golf, I used to be quite good at golf. Uh, <laughs> this is because I used to have to get out of work. It was quite good. Uh, an old boss of mine, who um, actually passed away, he's, he's, he's been through the doors of the crematorium, unfortunately. He used to, uh, he used to ring me up and say, uh, Paul, you got your golf clubs on you? Yes, yes I have, yeah, it's about mid-afternoon. Uh, but I'm, yeah, so, oh, as always, I'd be saying, oh yeah, I'm quite busy, quite busy, quite busy, Tony. No, you're not. Come play golf. So that's it. I have the rest of the, rest of the afternoon off. I used to play about once a week. It was brilliant. Um, so I actually got quite into it. Um, but I've, I've, I've sort of dackered off. So yeah, the golf, not really interesting us too much. So let's take a walk around the cemetery instead. And we, again, we find ourselves walking around with no actual purpose of being here. This is a place where people come for particular reasons. Uh, and, and it feels a little bit like we're trespassing, like... You know, this is an open space. Uh, we're free to walk around it. it. Always reminds me when I was uh, when I was a lot younger, growing up in Sleaford. I used to walk through a, a graveyard on the way to and from school at that point, and I, you just don't think you didn't give it a second thought really. It was just the quickest way to get to and from school, so I could get back and watch watch Scooby Doo, I suppose. Back when it was good. Of course, we're um, we're here during the daytime. It's full daylight. How would you feel about this? At dusk or at night time? Well, at night times, remember we were, we've, we've had a similar scenario before, haven't we, where we were next to a graveyard? Off Newport. Yeah. Off Newport, yeah, and uh, we, we didn't go anywhere near it, did we? We ended uh, up talking about Michael Jackson's thriller, I think. Just, you know, looking back, Johnny, that kind of seems kind of obvious. Do you, do you regret that now? I do a bit, yeah, I should have cut that out, shouldn't I? <laughs> Never mind. But this is one of the great choices, isn't it? I suppose, you know, this, this grid uh, gives you one of, the, one of the choices in life uh, that you have the right to make, I suppose. Uh, and that's, are you cremated and your ashes scattered in a place uh, that you feel uh, a connection to? Or do you get buried into the ground? I think I know the answer. 
just coming down to like the, the north end um, of the graveyard and there's a bit of empty space up here. This is clearly where it's kind of, it's, it's filling up towards this end. And there ain't a lot of space, is there? There's a few individual graves dotted around, a lot of space around them, presumably because families have already bought up those, those plots. But there's not a lot of space now. We're clearly running out of, of room here. Oh, do you think also that most, it's, it's, this is an assumption based on nothing more than my own opinion that I think uh, a lot more people get cremated than buried these days. Would you say that's right? I think my whole life I've only ever been to one burial. All the other funerals I've ever been to have been cremations. So, yeah, I don't know what the figures are on that. If we ever bother to look beyond the first page of Google, we might find out. But, but no, it is clearly a lot less popular now, isn't it, being buried? I guess it's a lot more expensive as well. You've got to buy the plot, you've got to pay for a, an expensive stone to go on it. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot more to it. And I think, I don't think it's been mean necessarily. I think maybe the, you know, in a lot of cases, the, the deceased would might rather that money was used for, you know, a nice cruise or something. Yeah. rather than a, a bit of stone in a field. So, um, are you going to be buried or cremated? Have you decided that? Yeah, cremated. And next question goes, where do your ashes go? That I don't know. I used to want them to be spread at Glastonbury, Glastonbury Festival, uh, at the campsite we always used to go to. And now, as I'm getting on, getting maturer, I'm starting to think that's a little bit juvenile. <laughs> so, but where to go? <laughs> where, where, where to where, where to live your days out where your ashes go uh, what about you John? I think cremated as well although I, I do fancy the idea and we've, we've seen this as we've walked around a few times of having a bench uh, in my name you know maybe on the on the West Common I've spent a lot of time there we've, we've been there in one of our grid squares or, or perhaps in the city centre maybe where we did our 24 hour grid actually that'd be quite nice yeah yeah I feel I, I, I'm still skirting around the subject of death. I feel, still feel like we, I'm, not, I'm not embracing it. I think that's understandable. Yeah, quite right too. I mean, you know, if I was a picky man, Johnny, um, and I think you might have picked up on this, but if I was a picky man, I would wonder why I'd said live your days out when when you've scattered my ashes somewhere. Uh, you're not really living your days out if you if you're already uh, um, scattered about the place, are you? No, it suggests uh, an element of denial. Though. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah completely. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping to avoid it. Uh, for as long, I couldn't say humanly possible, it's a ridiculous turn of phrase. <laughs> Lincoln A to Z. A question of Lincoln. So yes, time now for a question of Lincoln. On the Siren FM. Johnny? Go first. Yeah, okay, I'll go first. Uh, nice easy one for you. Excellent. According to the last census, the district of West Lindsay, out there in the sticks where no right-minded person would want to live, has only 77 people per square kilometre. Brilliant. So that's about two football pitches per person. Oh, that's excellent. How many people? <laughs> I love that. I always love that. You measure it in either football pitches or double-decker buses. Oh, it's got to be football pitches, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but how many people are there per square kilometre here in the city of Lincoln? Oh. Is it A, mm -hmm. 721 people per square kilometre, B, 1,624, or C, 2,598? Your 10 seconds starts now. See, what I can think about is that one of the answers is right and the other two you've made up and I'm just thinking about how you came up with the other numbers. And I can't even concentrate <laughs> on the answer to the question. And I'm looking around me. 
I'm in an area. Uh, the first one. The first one? Yes. No, you're wrong. It's actually C. There are 2,598 people per square kilometre, which works out as 385 square metres each, which is, I'm going to I'm gonna book the trend here of football pitches, I'm going to say that's 1.5 tennis courts per person, <laughs> which is actually courts. not bad, is it? Um, no, that's okay. That's about, no, that's about, that's about enough. 1.5 tennis courts. So that's about, tennis court, that's about, uh, yeah. I prefer a couple of swimming pools, but, you know, hmm. hey, there we go. So, Johnny Elham, my <laughs> question of Lincoln to you. Um, now, this has been uh, arrived at by typing in notable Lincoln people okay. uh, <laughs> in my ever-long research of a, of a celebrity from Lincoln. Uh, but this week, in this episode, on this day, remember where you were, because today, Johnny, we go highbrow. Okay. He only took 48 programmes. Now, um, who was George Ball? Oh, no. Right? right. Second of November. George Ball lived between the 2nd of November... 1815 uh, to the 8th of December 1864. And people are shouting at their radios now. Everyone knows this, Johnny. I can't believe you don't. No, 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 I do. The reason I'm saying I'll know is because I've got a brilliant question about him. I'm slightly <laughs> annoyed that you, you've, you've brought him up first. But anyway, maybe it'll still work. Okay, go ahead. Okay, right. This is a frustrating thing. <laughs> okay. Was George Ball A, a mathematician, B, a philosopher, or C, a logician? I think, well, because because I've well, obviously right researched question, it. I've researched it a bit. And you've so, done the same. You've, right, you've typed in notable famous Lincoln people. I have. I've looked down the Wikipedia page yeah. of famous people from Lincoln, oh. and I think he was all three. Yes, you're right. Yes. <laughs> that was it. I was being very kind you and generous. Yeah, yeah. No, well, no, not clever, just kind and Johnny. You can't see kind and generosity. Oh, so you, you would have said if I'd chosen any one of those, you'd have said I was right. Yeah, and oh, I, that then would I was, have been very kind. Then I was. Oh, then then you spoil the surprise. Hmm. Then I was going to say, well, you'd have been right on all three. That's the kind. He's, he's kind of trying to boost my own ego, I suppose, really, by <laughs> saying, uh, uh, you know, how kind and generous I am. Oh, Johnny. Lincoln A to Z dot co dot UK. Time to find out what our genial poet in residence, Trevor Davis, has to share with us about that Q12 grid square. The question on today's lips is whether anyone has ever been killed by a golf ball on Canic Park Golf Course and subsequently cremated and buried in St. Swithin's Cemetery. Being killed on the course, but not buried in the cemetery over the road, does not form part of this discourse. Neither is death by other means, such as heart attack, being run over by a golf cart, or, as happened on five occasions in the good old US of A between 2001 and 2006, being killed on the golf course as a result of a plane crash. There is very little data in the public domain on death on golf courses in the UK at least not on the first page of a Google search, and it isn't really worth looking beyond that. The previously referred to statistic from the USA does come from a source with additional data that could inform our debate. Overturned vehicle, brackets, non-highway, 19 fatalities. Fall to a lower level, 8 fatalities. Highway incident, 7. Homicide, 6. Trench collapse, six. Struck by falling object, six. Suicide, five. And drowning or submersion, five fatalities. There is no specific reference to being hit by a golf ball, but 
being struck by a falling object would cover this scenario. And for the purpose of this argument, I'm going to assume that that is what is meant when describing this particular form of death. Wikipedia tells us that in 2008, there were 17,672 golf courses in the USA and 2,752 in the UK, representing 50% and 8% of the total number of courses worldwide, respectively. If we take these data and extrapolate, we come up with a figure of 0.934 deaths by golf ball in the UK over the six years. In any given year, therefore, in the UK, there is a 5,000th of 1% chance that someone at Canic Park will be killed by a golf ball. According to the Office of National Statistics, there were 493,242 deaths registered in England and Wales in 2010. In England, in the vast majority of cases, deaths are followed by cremation. In 2010, the current cremation rate was just over 73%. However, in a significant and growing number of cases, cremations are themselves followed by the formal burial of cremated remains at cemeteries. Departing for a moment from scientific facts and methodology, the chances are that if someone was killed by a golf ball at Canic Park, they would end up in the crematorium over the road, with some degree of likelihood that they would subsequently be buried in the cemetery. We can't be more exact than this, because the ONS doesn't tell us what percentage of cremations are subsequently buried. The problem is exacerbated by the fact that there are other cemeterial options in Lincoln. I assume here that cemeterial is a word. If it isn't, either I've invented a new one or, well, you knew what I was trying to say, really. In conclusion, and to put everyone's mind at rest, especially the members of Canic Park Golf Club, it is unlikely that anyone has ever been killed by a golf ball on their golf course and subsequently cremated and buried in St. Swithin's Cemetery. It's quite nice to be able to quash rumours of this sort before they begin to take hold, thus causing a stampede for the car park of golfers, no longer wanting to risk playing at Canic Park. Such a mad dash for the exit in itself is more likely to cause death than the golf balls now locked safely up in bags in the boot of the car. Four... OK, so uh, earlier on in the programme, uh, in, during the question of Lincoln, Johnny and I were talking about George Ball, who is uh, all three mathematician, philosopher and logician. Uh, and actually, I think now, uh, with that evidence uh, that Treff has provided us there, we can add those to Treffer Davis' Wikipedia page. Uh, well done, Treff. Put it on the, uh, the bottom of your email tagouts as well. Lincoln A to Z on Siren FM. Okie dokie. Right, OK, now that's quite enough for one week. Um, thanks, of course, to Nick Barton uh, at Lincoln Crematorium and uh, also Rebecca Smith at the Council uh, for setting us up. Um, thanks also to Treff, Joe, and of course, yourselves for listening. That was Q12, and this has been a Joe Schmo production for Siren FM. Mm-hmm.